Hello, I'm Josh Way. And I'm Ben Eggleston. Welcome to our podcast here at Shutter Speed Media. This is a podcast for people interested in video and photo production in the automotive industry. Our goal is to share, educate, and entertain you with stories and experiences we have, plus bring on guests to share their experiences in this field. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited for our guest. He's got some awesome content, so... Right. So, um, right now in Minnesota, is it's just a gray, rainy day. And it's always fun to talk to people elsewhere, um, not only for their experiences and what they've done in their careers and their photography experiences and um, all that. Um, but he's coming to us from L.A. And I'm sure the weather's there is a little nicer than here. Sounds pretty good right now. Spring in Minnesota here. Um, but yeah, so our guest has kind of uh i found him a couple years ago when he's just been seeing a lot of cool car content coming out of uh, uh socal and um this the amount of extreme hyper cars this guy has photographed has been it's been enough for a lot of people to kind of like notice and it's been pretty inspirational to see his work develop and uh, grow to something that's really special and um yeah he's probably shot more extreme kind of hyper cars than a lot of people just because his connections of where he is and where he works. Um, so yeah, without uh, without further ado, Robert, why don't you uh, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, Robert Grubbs. I work. Uh, I've been the lead photographer for O'Gara Coach Company um, for the last five years. And to your point, it is uh, I, it is because of my access through the company being the dealership for. Uh, Bentley, Bugatti, Rolls-Royce, Aston Martin, Lamborghini, McLaren, basically about a dozen brands, Remax, Pininfarina, uh, is, is, you know, the reason I have the access that I do. And the fact that Beverly Hills, which is our, 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 um, flagship store, um, the, the fact that they kind of get things first and they kind of get things, they, they, in terms of volume, they get the most, uh, out of most dealerships that I have access to not only, you know, the coolest hypercars, but a lot of them. Um, so I'm very, very, very fortunate to work for the company that I do. And, and, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a very, uh, interesting and kind of, uh, it rose pretty quickly from the time that I started shooting, um, about seven years ago to where I am now, everything just kind of fell into place and I was very fortunate to end up where I did. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's been pretty quick and <clears throat> I've been photographing, cars albeit in minnesota um for for over 10 years and just to see the level at which you've i'll say risen in the uh in terms of peers um has been very fast and of course the the sheet metal that you've been photographing has been pretty awesome yeah. to, to that, witness that not a lot of us get to shoot you know the hot the hot cars you know a lot of times where you got career uh, automotive photographers that might just be shooting for some of the the mainstream brands and never get to see some of these extreme uh, hypercars and supercars and it's so cool to see what you've done with them. Um, but uh, let's start. Let's let's pull back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about where you started out. Where are you from? Um, anything in your childhood that kind of started to lead to this career path that you've uh, that you've started here. Yeah, I, I hail from Central California, um, a little town of Tracy. Uh, always kind of had a, a little bit of a photography bug. Uh, nothing that that ever really uh, culminated until much later on in life. My my first love of uh, in my life was was golf. Actually, I, I wanted to play professionally. I played from the time I was a kid all the way through through college, and and wanted to teach, and and just found that it it wasn't going to work. And I actually went through a bit of a spell where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, in junior college, I had taken a couple of photography classes and in, in black and white film photography. And it was, nice. it was kind of cool because I was able to use my grandfather's old Nikon and, and it was kind of a cool, you know, connection to, to, to have and, and be able to learn, you know, those, those skill sets that, you know, have kind of been long forgotten. Um, in terms of, you know, you've got 36 photos or however many are on the roll, you got to make each one count, you know, whereas today it's more of that kind of, you know, spray and pray type of, you know, hope, hope you get something in the can out, out of, right. you know, 1400 photos or something. But, um, that, that really, it was at that time, it really sparked my, my interest for photography and, and 
that was when I was in my early 20s. And so from there, I I continued to, to work. I was working in insurance, nothing that I planned on doing for life, but it was a job. And, you know, one day I – I, I had gotten a camera as a gift, and I was I was out just shooting. I was just shooting anything. It was architecture, it was cars, it was all kinds of stuff. But one day I just kind of got, you know, I just kind of got a hair up my ass that I, I needed to do something with this. Like I really I really enjoyed it. I really had a passion for it, and I just kind of I kind of needed to do something with it. And so I I remember one night I was sitting on the couch and said, you know, let's let's just do this. So in overnight I created a you know website, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, you know, everything. And literally overnight, Grubbs Photography was was born. And I knew that, you know, there's a lot of guys who try to be everything to everybody. Um, and I don't think that's the right approach um, when it comes to, to something like photography. I think you, you, when you find your niche, you find something that you're really passionate about that, it, you know, it comes out in your work. Um, and so right. I knew I, I, I could only kind of pick one thing. And so I, I, I went back and forth between architecture and, and cars, but I, I deep down I kind of knew cars was the way I was going to go, and so um, yes. I went to every car show I could find. Started out at you know the famous Newport Beach you know Cars and Coffee at the time, and uh, and and also the one in Irvine, uh, and just shooting everything I could find. Um, wasn't very good. I, I was I was shooting cars from a from more of a perspective of trying to make them look like art. So I was shooting cars in a more of an abstract manner where I was taking bits and pieces and, and wheels and, and things and shooting them from a very kind of macro sort of, of perspective um, to try to, to try to give a, a little different feel, and which is quite the opposite of what I do now rather than having the car be take up the entire frame and the car actually takes up very little of the frame, uh, which sure. is how I do things now. But I came up with a strategy that ultimately is what kind of helped pay off for me, which was... I I noticed that a lot of the car shows I was going to with these custom cars, that they'd have custom parts on it, right? So you'd have HRE wheels, Boston wheels, whatever. And I would I would take photos and I would post them. I'd tag HRE. It was mostly HRE. And they would be reposted. Well, I got to know one of the guys who was working there. And um, basically what I would do is every Saturday I'd go to Cars and Coffee. I'd find every car that had HREs on it. I'd take as many photos as I could. I'd immediately go home edit them as quickly as I could, send them directly to him, and then within, you know, no time, they'd be up on their social media, and they'd tag me. And so we, we created this nice dynamic where they were getting free content. Um, I was kind of cutting my teeth at these car shows and, and seeing how to be creative in that sort of setting, which is most shooters know is very difficult, and, and you have to be very patient. And, um, yeah, they, through that, I got connected to uh, Tag Motorsports. A lot of what I was doing, um, a lot of the cars I was photographing with HREs on them had been customized by Tag. So upon tagging me in the photo, they were also tagging the shop, which was Tag Motorsports. So they give me a call and say, hey, we're looking to um, get to, to switch photographers. We're, we're kind of tired of this guy. Um, things aren't going well. We want to bring you in on a contract basis, just kind of see what you can do. So within about three to six months, they offered me a full-time job. So I went into tag and, and that was, you know, I, I give as much credit as I can to that, to that outfit because they, the conditions that I, that I shot in forced me to try to get really creative and figure out how to get better quickly because they were pumping out cars at a rate sometimes of five a day. And most of the time we were, they were timing things where it's like, you need to get this car shot in 15 minutes. And it's noon. It's a black car, and all you have are warehouses around. And so I used to have to just figure it out. And I think that's what helped get me to the level I got to somewhat quickly is that I learned how to how to shoot in terrible conditions, and I learned how to make how to get creative with that and try to you know still make it work. And so I knew that if I could get good at that, I could get really good at ideal conditions. And so that working with tag is what really, really helped in that regard. And then I was seen by uh, a good friend of mine and he's our Bugatti brand manager um, and motorsport director here at O'Gara. He was actually at HRE wheels and they have one of these giant TV screens back behind their reception desk and these photos are going through and he keeps picking out these photos because, Oh man, that's really cool. Uh, and a couple go, go by and you go, Oh, that's really cool too. And finally the guy who I've been working with sending photos to all this time, 
he finally goes, do you want his phone number? Because he's literally right down the street. And so I get this phone call nice. from, from this guy, Paris, and we meet. And within a couple of months, I start doing some contract work for O'Gara, and that turns into shortly after uh, a full-time job. And that was back in 2006, January of 16. And I've been with O'Gara ever since. All right, Grubbs. Well, you warned me. You do have um, no problem carrying on a conversation. Um, you're, you're gonna, you're so that is a that, shut up on this. Thing. <laughs> I felt like that was like the that was the entire thing. So we can just we can just wrap it up now, and uh, that yeah, was it. Yeah, Thank yeah, you for listening. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, no, good talking. No, to that you. was uh, that was a great great uh, synopsis there for sure. So when you started photography, doing architecture and car stuff. Hit, hit, were you were you a car guy always growing up? Did it just always. was it a natural appeal? Always. You got in no. like older and got your license, or what? What happened there? Where did it start? I I I uh, I always had posters on my walls as a kid. Um, growing up in the '80s, I had a Countach and a Testarossa on my wall. Um, there you go. Then in, then in the '90s, it was you know I had an F50 model. I had a uh, a Diablo model in that that 30th anniversary you know Viola purple. I had a, a, a Dodge Viper, you know, I mean, I, I, I really, I remember the, one of my prized possessions as a kid was I would carry around with me, I don't know why, a, a XJ220 Matchbox car was on me uh, like at well, all times. I, I, I love that car. In fact, to this day, this is still a car I have yet to shoot and want to, but I've, I've always been into cars. My family was always I can into tell cars. you my exactly why, though. badass cars as a kid or in high school, so it's, it's always been in, in our blood. Nice. Well, I can tell you exactly why you carried that thing along with you everywhere because I did the same crap and all car guys are freaking weirdos. And that <laughs> it's an amazing thing, though. <laughs> yep. So uh, obviously we, we love what we do. We love our we love our craft. We love cars and the, you know, the sensations they give us. The They're just awesome to look at. They're just a, a totally dynamic piece of thing that is out there visible for the world to see and yet it's it's can be art it can be you know transportation it can be so many things to so many different people it can evoke yeah. so many different emotions that that's what's cool about car photography um, um but then so so i have a question though you said that when you're shooting for tag and you had to sh shoot in adverse um you know situations you said i felt like if i could get good at this if you know and you kept pushing and pushing so do you feel like you're a good photographer? This is a general question because I know for me, it's like I never feel like I'm like I'm great at it. Uh, a lot of people yeah. think I'm like this, you know, you know, decent photographer, you know, maybe even a pro photographer in my area, especially. There's lots of young people that think that. And I certainly never feel like a pro. So I'm curious kind of like how you feel about your style and where you are in your experience. You know, it's it's funny bringing that up because I try. It, it's it's easy to get caught up, especially with the cars that I photograph, because they get a lot of positive attention. And a part of me wonders if it's just because of the car, if it's because of the work that I actually do. And so I I um I think that I'm that I'm I'm good. I think that I'm I'm I don't want to say quite good, but I I think I've I've definitely have have gotten to a, a pretty good point in my, in my career and in my, my abilities, especially learning how to properly light cars. Um, so right. I, I consider myself to be pretty good. Um, but I'm never usually satisfied. Um, I look, I'm That's always on the perfect. lookout for yep. guys who are better, um, to keep me from getting complacent and to keep me from getting cocky or to keep me from getting, and, and to keep me humble. Um, well, and always challenging you to push further and further and further. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to. You, I'm always trying to look for the next thing. Like I knew for the longest time, I was. I, I start to. I started to get pretty good at just natural light photography. Like I, I, I could. I could do that. I knew exactly how to pull a car up and be able to. Because everything I've ever done leading up until, for the most part, has always been run and gun. Never permits. Never anything. It's just always you got to pull up, jump out, and and hit it. Jump back in the car and leave before security kicks you out. And or or you know whatever the case is. Yep. And so you know. I knew that the next step was I needed to know how to light a car. And so now for, for, for me now, actually, I'm kind of, you know, not, not struggling, but I'm trying to figure out what that next step is uh, to, to, to go to the next level, right, to, to become more of a corporate level 
photographer to become more of a you know commercial level uh, photographer because I do have I do have things that I that I that I think I'm I'm better at, um, but there's still things that I that I obviously skill sets because I've never taken classes I've, I've everything I learned I mean YouTube my God the amount of money YouTube has saved me and probably half of the guys who are going to be listening to this uh, YouTube has been a godsend to to learning yeah. how to do this stuff you know yeah. yeah. Well, and a lot of people are working hard, uh, you know, as an alternative means of uh, income too. producing great videos about doing all this stuff. It's definitely been a place for me to research things, too. Yeah, it's crazy how much editing techniques and lighting techniques and Photoshop tutorials go into YouTube just for free. And it's it's a breakdown of all the lighting techniques you ever wish for power photography. It's crazy. But like you said, though, with uh, moving to the next step, I think that's that's always a, an ambition that any photographer should have, um, m mostly in terms of what can I do in camera that's going to be an improvement and more str and streamlining things aside, you know, that should always be part of the equation. But what can I do in terms of technique or stylizing something or or uh, location, just the like the the production of it. You know, choosing locations, working with producers, looking work work with location scouts, and and making yourself just a better go to um, resource as a photographer uh, to get to get the best new ideas out there and on film or <laughs> whatever. Not film anymore, but yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. So with all your work now at the dealership. I mean, you're still there. You're still working at O'Gara as a, as a primary, like the photographer there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've, I've been in that role for, for a while now. And it's actually, it's actually funny that, um, we, we're actually starting a new venture where, um, our, our team is, is being basically spun off into its own, uh, marketing agency. And so for the last year, oh. I've actually played more of a role as creative director for O'Gara than I have photographer. Um, if you actually look at the number of photo shoots that I did last year uh, in 2020, it was actually incredibly low in comparison to when I first started. Um, and so I've been and not related to creative... COVID or anything like that, yeah, just, just in terms of you were just in charge more of production stuff than actually shooting. Correct, and 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 it wasn't to say that that we necessarily brought in uh, many other shooters. It, it's still primarily my work. It's just it, the the work that I do is going to be much more selective um, in in what we do and what we post, and and more so, it's my my role morphed into the you know curating the look and feel of the company, and less about just focusing on a, a particular car. Um, and so it's been it's been quite rewarding to kind of look at it from a larger perspective. Um, of you know how how you know these photo shoots can look and how um, the company can can properly utilize them because there's two there's two sides to it there's the you know yeah that, that photo is great but is it actually going to do anything for us you know so it's, it's sure. trying to trying to look at it from from uh, a kind of a secondary position what I think is has made this role you know much more uh, fulfilling for me but moving into this into this new role as creative director of, of our, our new marketing company. Uh, I still will be doing photography. That's never going to not be something I do. Um, I, I have to have that in my life. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the current role that I'm, that I'm moving, uh, moving into. Nice. So, um, how many different, I mean, well, first of all, not a lot of photographers are that I know have ever been very fulfilled or happy working at, a job, you know, where they're just like the staff photographer or, or somebody that at a dealership, especially, you know, Hey, as a young photographer, you get hot, you kind of get suckered into like, Oh, I'll become a photographer at this dealership. That sounds awesome. And then you just get stuck in the back room on the spinny, on the, you know, the spinny thing. And you're just sitting there <laughs> shooting Nissan Altimas all day. And that's not, that's not the goal. Um, but obviously with the brand that you're working with, you're working with some of the biggest names, you know, most exotic names in the industry. And it sounds like you're a pretty happy camper there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing is I'm not doing inventory photos. I've right. never, I, I, when I first started, I, I, um, I, I've never really, I think there's maybe a very small stretch where I, I had to do inventory photos just because we didn't have anybody at the time to do them. But I've never, everything I've ever done for the company has been from a creative aspect. It's to, it's to give us, 
that localized content. Because all these car companies, you know, Bentley, Rolls Royce, you know, all these companies, they send you stuff to use. You know, they, they have their own in-house guys. They are, Correct. you know, people they contract through. They send you this stuff. Well, if I'm a guy in Beverly Hills or Westlake or San Diego, seeing a, seeing a GTC drive around Lake Cuomo or, or, or the, the, the Swiss Alps for Christ's sake, I mean, what does that necessarily do for me? Uh, it's a beautiful car, but I don't have any context or I can't picture myself in that situation. So sure. when you move that car into Rodeo Drive, you move that car going over the Coronado Bridge, you move that car to Calabasas or going through Sherwood, you know, you move it to a place where that guy's like, oh, yeah, I could see myself in that. Or I could see that that's in my neighborhood. You know, that right. I, I could see that being my car. Um, I could see that car being in this city. It's just that localized context is what I is what I kind of brought to the dealership that a lot of other dealerships, especially Highline dealerships, don't have, and that was what helped us. We saw what kind of helped propel us past some of our our competitors is is having our own in-house creative content and be able to do it whenever we wanted. You know, we didn't have to wait for Bentley or somebody or McLaren to send us a photo set. We go out and do it ourselves whenever we want. Right. And that's and that's what's been really rewarding is that they the company has basically said, go do your thing. I've, I've had very little direction the entire time other than this is the car we need shot. Go make it look cool. Awesome. I grab the keys, I jump in the car, and I go make it look cool. And so yeah, my – I feel like that's every photographer's dream <laughs> or car photographer at least. So. Yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, I, that's why I say I'm, I'm – I'm so fortunate, and I and I always re- reiterate that is because I don't have the standard, uh, you know, in-house car photographer to dealership gig. Most of those guys are they're like to your point, they're out in the lot taking pictures of of Dodge Rams with no background, no lighting, and 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 no room for creativity. And my yeah. job has been quite literally the opposite, where I jump in a Chiron and say, "Go take it to someplace cool," and and you know. And, and I do, and that's so. Yeah, I, I I can't can't be thankful enough for for the opportunity I had through O'Gara and and you know the the experiences it's brought me. You know, because as a car guy, you know, yeah, the money's the money can be good, but the driving these cars is the it's the best part of this job. You know, there's very few cars <laughs> that I haven't had seat time in, and not even just like pulling it around the dealership, but like actually getting to drive. That, truth be told, that's been one of the biggest perks of this job for for someone like me who's who's constantly like in love with all things cars and excited about every new thing that comes out. So, how many tickets have you had? <laughs> I, you know what, I'm, I'm I, I don't want to say because I don't want to jinx myself because I've I've, <laughs> I've yet to have a ticket in in anything I didn't hear related. I, I didn't hear because yep. I'm very selective when I when I choose to drive in anger and, <laughs> and see what these cars can do. And I'm very fortunate that we also have our facility out at the Thermal Club. So I'm able to kind of get out some of my my uh aggression on these cars in a in a much more controlled environment. I'll put it I'll put it that way. So that's a yeah. it's a great point though. It's a great point what you're making though because um yeah, having context for any any of these cars, especially these highline cars you work with at the dealerships, um, getting contacts for local buyers is probably really important on these, you know, extremely valuable, expensive new cars and not one that is normally as important on your everyday cars. Yeah, we're not, we're, you know, we like to say that we're not selling transportation. You're selling ideas. We, we, we sell a feeling. You sell you sell a, a an emotion. I mean that's what that's what we're we're selling. I mean we we can get as you know we, we, it's funny when we uh, when we talk about you know like the the roles in our company and it's like you're not a car salesman you're a lifestyle specialist. End of the day you're still a car salesman but you know you're, you really are selling uh, an emotion an idea you're selling shit that people don't need. Nobody needs a Lamborghini. Nobody. There is there is no need for a car with that much power that goes that fast. All those things. None of what we sell is needed, and so yeah. you can't approach it from a standard of or or a position of you know merchandising something that's needed, right? They're not they're not diapers. They're not. It's not food. It's it's something that people everybody wants, but but not many people can have, and yeah. the people that can have it, then you have to convince them through whatever means necessary to spend that much money in order to get that thing. 
Um, and it's not an easy sell. I mean, uh, you'll, you'll find that the people who are successful in this business in selling Highline cars, they've been doing it for years. Um, they've built up an amazing book of business, and those are usually the go-to people. Um, it's really tough for a younger guy to kind of get his foot in the door and, and make a, a job like this successful because it's not easy to convince people. People don't just walk in and go, I'll take it. That doesn't happen, you know, especially in, in San Diego and Westlake. Beverly Hills, it's a different story. Beverly Hills is a, is a beast in and of itself. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> you, you never know what you're going to expect there. But yeah. um, the dealership life is very, very different. Wow. Well, um, that I was going to get into thermal. I didn't realize you guys have a, like a deal over there, but I want to hear about that. Um, but I had that a little farther down my list. But I wanted to start talking about um, some of the practical stories you've had of your photo shoots. Um, obviously, you've worked with pretty much every crazy hypercar there is. Um, but uh, tell us maybe just a, a story or two that is notable from off the top of your head, like what's some crazy cars and some crazy shoots that you just remember as being just a wild time or, or something that just is quirky or weird or just, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's... You know, I, I going through, uh, yeah, go, going through the stuff that I've, that I've done, you know, um, there, there are a couple of shoots that, that, that maybe stand out, uh, some for, for just the sheer experience of what I was doing and some for, you know, the feeling of, of kind of, you know, challenge and accomplishment that went, that went with it. Um, the first one I'll talk about is, is, uh, my, a recent shoot I did on the Bugatti Pure Sport. And it was, the idea was to photograph the car at night and from Elysian Park, which is this helipad that overlooks downtown LA and Dodger Stadium. And this is a place I'd shot before, but I had never tried to shoot – all the times I had photographed a car while lighting it, while strobing it, it was usually in a controlled environment. It was inside of a building, a garage, a warehouse, something to that uh, extent. This was the first time I ever really tried to, like, expose the background properly at night um, and get the car right and the, and the foreground. Like, it, this combination was something I'd never done before. Um, I had light painted cars, um, but I never strobed a car at night to, to get this effect. And, you know, I was really nervous going into it because I'd spoken to the, the president of Bugatti and he was like, you know, we, I want you to photograph of, of, of North America, uh, Cedric. Uh, he goes, I want you to photograph Pure Sport in an iconic LA location. And we, we really want these photos to be something like special. We, we, we want to make these something we could possibly use for some media stuff and whatnot. So, Having the added pressure of, I'm not just doing this for the dealership. Corporate has their eyes on this as well. Put kind of that added pressure of, I have to, I have to really knock this out. And so in my like craziness of, of trying to get this all set up and to help with some of the, some of the costs, we tried to maximize that location. Well, we, we decided we're going to shoot the entire Bentley lineup before sunset and when we shoot the, the, the Bugatti. So as I'm, as I'm running around trying to shoot these four brand new 2021 Bentleys, about halfway through, I get I knock out two individual cars. I realize that my memory card isn't in my camera. Uh -huh. So <laughs> so I just knock, I just shot, you know, I just shot two cars in to to completion, and not a single photo was recorded. Wait a second, how does that even how does that even work? What camera are you on? So I'm on a Sony uh, A7R Mark III, and as I'm looking through the viewfinder, I'm not seeing in the top left-hand corner, that flashing light that's saying no car. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not seeing oh it. I don't know gosh. how, but I'm not, but I'm not seeing this. And oh, to say no. that, yeah, to say that I got, a, I was a little perturbed by that to say that that tweaked me a little is a, is a bit of an understatement. So it, yeah. you know, it kind of put me in this, like, what are you doing? Frantic Do you mode? even know what, you know, I mean, uh, are you even right for this? Like you, you start having all this kind of self doubt, like Jesus Christ, I get your shit together. You start having all this, all this, you know, all these feelings, all these things hit you at once. And I just remember I was like, okay, I, I just stopped. I took a breath. And the problem is, is I've got about a dozen people there with me because I've got people who have to drive and move all these cars. I've got marketing yeah. people. I've got drivers. I've got all, you know, fire marshals and pe people that have to be there. And I just looked like a complete asshole in front of everybody. And so I just oh. thought, don't worry about it. Just get it done. So I, I start over, knock out all the cars, and I just have to get myself ready to, to do this. Well, for whatever reason, I decided that 
the way I the way I strobe a car is I don't I don't ever have a, an assistant. I tether my phone through through Wi-Fi to my cam- to, to for my camera to my phone, so that I can see a live view of what the camera sees. Then my yeah. my camera is hooked up to the light, so I'm literally moving the light myself. I hit the button on my phone. I see the result. And I go, okay, I need to move my light here. I need to make this adjustment. And it makes yeah. me quite efficient when when doing that. Well, for whatever reason, because I was worried that I needed to really see the resolution, I really needed to see the photo, I decided to use an iPad instead of my phone. Well, about ten minutes into the shoot, it stops working. So I'm <laughs> now I'm I'm completely outside of my norm. I'm never going to hire you for my shoots anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, so about ten minutes in, it just it, it goes to it, that the the iPad just stops working. So, I literally uh, employ our our driver, one of my favorite guys, his name's Charlie from JP Logistics. Uh, I said, Charlie, I need your help. I need you to to just do exactly what I tell you. And he goes, Okay. So I've got my camera on the tripod, and I'm just okay. Move to your left. Twist the the light this way. Bend it forward like that. And I just I'm I'm walking him through this whole thing. Uh, yeah. keep in mind, this is all, I only have about an hour and a half to shoot this car because the car has to leave by a certain time. It has to leave by like nine o'clock or, or wow. eight o'clock, whatever it was. The and pressure so is on. on. Time, I mean, this is the, this is the highest pressure shoot I've probably, probably ever done. And I, I just, I, I just, I have to stay focused. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is probably the most focused and in it I've ever been. And end of the day, probably ended up being some of my more impressive photos and, and probably like I, I ended up getting home that night from LA cause I actually live in San Diego, um, get home. And I edited the first photo of, of the two, of the two photos that I did at night. I also shot at sunset, but the two photos I did at night, um, I did the first one. I stayed up till about four in the morning cause I couldn't, I just, I needed to do it. And I just, I remember seeing it on my computer, on, on my sitting at my dining room table and I just kind of leaned back and went, yep. I did that. And I was, I was so like, I I was, it was one of those few moments of kind of being proud. And that's why it also stands out in my mind is that I, most of the time I lean back and go, I should have done this. I should have done that, blah, blah, blah. But this is one where I leaned back and I was, I was actually quite pleased and quite proud with what I had done. Um, the, the people I had there with me, um, some of my closest, closest friends are, you know, my, my buddy Paris who, who got me the job in the first place, our marketing director at the time, Nicole Gray and, and, uh, I just remember sitting back and just being incredibly happy and like excited with how it turned out. And the reception of the, of the photo set was, was really good. It was, it was put out on, on Bentley's, or I'm sorry, Bugatti's, you know, corporate pages and stuff. And, and so that, that stands out as probably one of my favorite shoots, you know, for, for other reasons, just that sense of accomplishment, um, that I, yep. that I've done. No, it sounds like a, a, a terrible nightmare, <laughs> but it, it ended well. Well, I know the feeling, man, but like when you, when you screw something up on a shoot, especially like when you're not recording something when you're supposed to be and it, it's going to set everything back. And I, I just know, I know that feeling inside of your body where you feel like the world is crumbling down and, <laughs> oh, that that's brutal, dude. But the photos are of the blue car, the blue purse, uh, purse sport, right? Yeah. And that, yeah, that spot above Dodgers, Dodgers field is so sweet. With uh, what you call with the LA backdrop, LA LA skyline in the back. Yep, yep, yeah, awesome spot. I, I I've always liked the different uh, you know um, shoots done at that lot there above Dodger Stadium. That's such a just the probably the best view of downtown LA because it's from an elevated oh, yeah. position on an unobstructed asphalt lot. Completely unobstructed. The only problem that you run into is that it's public, so. As you can imagine, See, I thought it was gated off. I've never actually been in there. I, I, I've, I, everybody has access to it. You just can't drive onto it. It's a helipad, and so uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got bikers coming up there. You know, as, as a turnaround point, I've got people who are coming up just to watch, just to look at the skyline. And so we're constantly, excuse me, you know, I'm, I'm, and then they people are, they'll walk up in the middle of my shot and they'll start, you know, recording the car, taking pictures with the car, and so yeah, yeah that that location wall is probably one of the best ones around to get that sort of view also it can be a giant pain in the ass. Gotcha. Wow. What a crazy, what a crazy story. That's uh, yeah. That's a, that's a hard one to beat there for recent memory. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah. and of course some of your other favorite, my favorite shots of yours have come from thermal with 
various different exotic, insane, you know, priceless cars. What is the O'Gara connection to thermal? And uh, sounds like you're there quite a bit. Yeah. So uh, when when thermal was taken over by its current owner, they they turned it into what is what feels a little bit more like a country club where there's the ability to purchase homes that that border the the track, right? And that's what that's yeah. what made it kind of popular and exciting. Uh, O'Gara had purchased one of the first villa models, so to speak, uh, way back when they were built. And so we, we've always had uh, access out there. We've, we've been going out there for the, the days when it was literally just a tent and, and a racetrack. And so we we ended up investing in a in, in a building, which is our O'Gara Motorsport facility. It's 14,000 square feet uh, split into two units. First unit is a full-service race garage where we work on race cars, we maintain them, we service them. Um it's a it's a pretty impressive site when you see like you know Lamborghini Super Trofeos half taken apart and I mean just the stuff we have out there. Um, inside the lobby area is where we you know sell you know race suits and helmets and all that kind of shit. And then you go to the other side. Now the other side is is where you find the kind of the cool stuff. That's the 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 members kind of storage area and uh, kind of an event space that we'll utilize. And so at any given time. The other day I was out there, um, this is probably two weeks, a week ago or so. I think we had six Senna's, uh, four of which were Senna GTRs. Three of those Senna GTRs were, uh, had been recently road converted by, uh, Lanzante. No way. Yeah. So I'm standing there and I, and I've got video of me just kind of like walking down the line of all these cars. And, and it was also at the same time, we had just finished staging and showing the thermal members, the uh, Yesco absolute and the Gamera. So I literally had this video of me walking through our member side and you've got a Gamera, a Yesco, uh, a standard Senna, uh, a P1 uh, GTR long tail by Lanzante, uh, P1 GTR and then three, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Senna GTR and then three Senna GTR road conversions. And, I mean, it, it's kind of commonplace for us to have that kind of stuff in our garage um, at any given time because it's, those are their member cars. So yeah. we've uh, yeah we've, we've created something actually pretty special um, through through the vision of Paris Mullins and his and what he's what he's done out there, um, kind of bringing it to life. And what it what's cool is that it brings it gives us the ability to host track days. Uh, to rent that facility out to corporate so they can launch cars. I was out there when, when McLaren did the Sabre testing. Um, and I was lucky enough to shoot for McLaren and, and, and they were testing the McLaren Sabre and they were having the owners, the 15 owners who had purchased the car out so that they could be a part of the testing. They could literally drive the XP car, go upstairs and then sit down with, with the, the, the engineers from, from Surrey and go, okay, what do you, you know, what do you think? What do you, what, you know, what are your thoughts on the car? What do you, what changes do you think need to be made? You know, um, and so, yeah, Thermal has brought a lot of, it's become a bit of a second home because it's, it's brought a lot of really impressive photo shoots my way, uh, impressive cars, cars like the Vulcan, um, you know, I, I shot three Devos at one time out there. I mean, it, it, the, the opportunity that that place has brought me is probably, you know, better than any one particular piece of, of O'Gara. How far is, a, uh, I haven't done the drive. How far of a drive is it from LA or, or your dealership? Sorry. It's it, two hours. It's, it's two hours basically from LA and it's two and a half hours from San Diego. So it's a couple hours drive. We usually try to make it, um, it when, when we involve clients, we usually try to make it a rally. Um, we do kind of a yep. cool mountain drive out to out there and, uh, yeah, yeah it can, it can really be a, a fun, a fun drive if you want it to, or it can just be quick and quick and easy. Yeah, you kind of go through Palm Springs, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. You have to drive through Palm Springs into Coachella Valley, and it's actually it's about. It's funny you don't think about it being that that big, but um, yeah, that desert area thermal is about forty minutes from like Palm Springs proper. Mostly because you have to either take the freeway, um, get all the way back up and on the freeway, or you have to cut through all of Palm Springs, which is is actually a pretty cool drive because Palm Springs has so many interesting parts of it, especially, you know, uh, that, that whole mid-century vibe, something I've been wanting to work with for a while in, in shooting like some classic cars or, or putting car, you know, current cars in more of a like Sinatra kind of feel 
you know, look to, to kind of give it that vintage, that vintage feel, but with a new car. Um, Palm Springs is actually, is, is one of my favorite places to, to go and to kind of explore and shoot. Yep. I'm sure a lot of the buyers, uh, of your dealership cars, uh, live in the area too. I know it's a pretty, pretty popular area for, um, the wealthy and, uh, some lots of cool car collections in the area. I'm sure. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I was thinking about it while, while you were talking, um, moving on to the next thing for photography, I haven't seen of yours. Maybe, maybe I've not noticed, but I don't think so. You have not done any like CGI or even you're even compositing, correct? Yeah, I don't. The only type of compositing I do is actually just when I'm strobing a car, you know, putting the layers together. I don't. Right. I've never been a fan of of putting a car where it wasn't. Um, I, I and 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 CGI, I think, is just a different art form in itself. But yeah, I never I never really thought to get into CGI or or compositing, and that might be something that I you know to my detriment. But I I I like to try to find a way to make whatever you are able to do look cool. You know, I mean, yeah, I could shoot a car you know in some place and stick it on the goddamn surface of Mars if I want, I guess, but, you know, to, to, right. to make a cool photo. But to me, it, I, I feel like it, at times that just kind of takes away from the focus of, of the car and, and the fact that that car was actually there to me, that's, that, that makes it more special. It's like you actually put a car there. Like you actually took that car to that place and, and knowing right. that it's real, I, I think that to me that, that is, that makes for a much more special end product than, you know, putting, putting a car where, I mean, literally anywhere, you know? Well, and especially since you've kind of described your successes at the dealership for doing that is putting cars into your part of the world, albeit it's a, it's a very beautiful part of the world. I mean, Southern California and California in general is like the most gorgeous state, you know, we, there is, but, um, no, I, I agree with you. I, I just, I've been asking a lot of people that question because it's kind of a, kind of the elephant in the room for a lot of digital art and automotive you know content being put out there and what people are wanting to pay for and what they want in return and it's it's what i've been asking and a lot of people it's it's mixed mixed you know mixed ideas on what they think should be you know going forward in this industry um and it's just really interesting although for the most part the other photographers we've talked to they've either done it themselves or they look at it as you know, a respectful thing that you can blend the two worlds together pretty well. So, but I was just thinking about it from your, from your experience, the, I mean, a lot of your darkroom work, um, you know, studio style stuff, whether it's in a studio or not, but shooting cars in the dark with strobes, you can create the lighting on the car that could work for many different, you know, composited applications. So you could, you could be photographing these exotic cars and putting them into, you know, environments that aren't in SoCal or just digital environments or something like that. And, um, and it'd be cool because you work with the cars that you work with and those are just awesome. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my Toyota Tacoma thinking, what can I do? You know, but to, yeah. to grab a LaFerrari or a GTR, uh, P1 or something crazy and put it in, into, uh, you know, an even more crazy environment, not so it did, did, you know, detracts, of course, like you're mentioning, you don't want it to take away, but to just change up, change it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does, especially when I do stuff at thermal, cause I mean, I've, I've consistently just kind of shot inside of our shop and that's, you know, it, it provides me a, a way to light a car in a cool, a cool way. I'm able to light, lay down a lot of really nice lighting in there, especially with some reflections and, and, yep. and yeah, to your point, I could, I could very easily, you know, kind of swap out some things or, or, or put it, you know, somewhere else, but, um, that's just never been, and, and maybe it's just because I've never really done it. So therefore I'm not good at it. So therefore I don't want to do it. It could very yeah. actually well be that it, that could be the reason. I mean, I, there's, there's times where, yeah, it probably would be better because I'm, I'm looking at my screen at my, at my laptop as we speak. And I'm looking at this, you know, golf livery, you know, P1 GTR long tail and, the lighting I did on the car, some of my favorite lighting I've done to, to this day, but the background is still, it's still a shop, you know, there's still garage doors and there's still, you know, ducks and, you know, shit on the ceiling. And, uh, you can only clean things up so much. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely times I've wanted to, to maybe do that. And to be quite honest, it's probably the fact that I, it's something I don't normally do. So I, I don't feel confident in it and therefore I, yeah. I won't try it. And that's, that's part of the, the growing of, of doing this, this for a living totally, is, is totally getting outside of my comfort zone. Totally understand. Yeah. I, I, and I, and I'm with you on keeping things naturally, uh, like real photography. I, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of full digital, like full digital CGI stuff, but compositing, yeah. I think it's pretty powerful, especially what I like to do is, is just shooting a car in a dark environment, uh, lighting it so it can be put into just a, a digital you know background that I create, like make it kind of look like a studio and add in sort of like some nice gradients and lights and things like that, that are, it's not like you're putting it into like a false environment, outdoor environment that it, it never was meant in. Um, but you're, you're creating like a studio look that stuff. I yeah. really like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're right there. That, that to me feels more like art. Like the way I look at that, like some of the stuff that you've done where you put it in, a, in an environment where the, the background color, you know, kind of mimics the color of the car and you have this perfectly lit car, nice shadow, and then it's on like, uh, you know, one solid background or a background with a nice gradient and there's all this color. I, I actually really like that style and it's something that I've, I've actually thought about playing around with uh, because it, well, to that, me, it looks, it, look, it looks more art-like, you know what I mean? It looks like an actual something I would put on my wall Whereas, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's been my, that's been my thought too. And I, I, I've kind of followed a little bit, some, some cues from Jeremy Cliff because he's kind of the master mm -hmm. of that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to do it. I want to develop it more where I, where I am doing it intentionally. Obviously it has to be shot in the right space, uh, at least where you can control the lights entirely. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of cool ideas that can be had there just to create and, and what am I trying to say here to create the vision uh, of it being art and emphasizing the car first and foremost, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want to keep developing it. And here's my proposal. I think next time I'm in SoCal, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's like shoot some things, you know, just crazy. And we'll just cut out I've backgrounds. Got, and I've got locations we can, we can take cars too. And I've got keys to damn near anything. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. let's, I'll, I'll be in SoCal in June. June. Let's, let's do it. it. Sounds good. All right. So, um, I, I, I like that conversation though, with CGI and compositing. I, I like to hear what people's thoughts are on that because there's a lot of push in the industry to that. And there's a lot of, um, buyers and, um, you know, uh, agencies and customers asking for that stuff to happen because they can control it better. They can, or they can just do it all digital from the get-go and it cuts photography out entirely, which is a lot of times pretty convenient for timelines when you're dealing with new cars that aren't on the road yet. You know, they're just like mules yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. So there's conveniences to it, but as you and I would agree, I think that the natural world is always preferred um, because it's reality. And when you're not in reality, where are you? I mean, we, we live in this world that, I think it's important for people to be emphasizing the beauty of it and the importance of it. And that's what I like to do in my photography. I like to, I like to work hard and find those spots that look great and it'll look great for this advertising shoot. And it's, it just makes the world a brighter place. I think so. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um, I don't like to drag out an already frustrating, uh, pandemic, whatever, if you can still call it that. But, um, I'm curious how has COVID affected you in the past year or people at your dealership, um, when it, in, in relation to the creative efforts? So th this is going to sound terrible because this, what, what this pandemic did was like nothing we've seen in, in our history. Right. And yep. this ended up being one of the best years of my career because of the fact that I was moved in the position of being the creative director while simultaneously going our, our dealership, which was allowed to stay open because dealerships and, and, and shops, uh, in terms of, of car, uh, you know, uh, service centers, they were able to stay open. They were considered essential. 
So our dealership yep. was never was never shut down, and we actually ended up having an incredibly successful year. Um, because, With sales to not just service, which is insane, which is insane. The fact that we actually sold more cars. I mean, we yeah, we we had an absolute unreal year, um, which that in and of itself is is wild. But the the everything had to go digital. All of our experiential, which we were so heavy in, we were so heavy in you know, every week doing rallies and drives and, and unveiling cars. And I mean, we, our, our events calendar was insane. And so we had to completely shift that and we had to be super heavy in creative and digital. And we did more in terms of video than we ever had with our incredibly talented uh, videographer that we've been using for the last two years, uh, Luca Brinciotti, a dear friend of mine, um, we were so fortunate to have him because he is so incredibly easy to work with. What kind of video content are you guys creating together? So a lot of times we'll, it'll be lifestyle based. So it'll, it'll, again, it's, it's basically a video version of what I'm trying to do with my camera. Um, but we've, a lot of times we're working together and it's like, we just recently did this, this shoot and, and, and we're always trying to work together. We work very well in tandem. Uh, we did this one where we were shooting the, the McLaren Elva. Uh, McLaren had asked while, while they were doing drives for media, uh, and we had the car, they asked if we could also get some photos just, just for their use. So we took, uh, we took out a, we, we needed a chase car. So we took out a Rolls Royce Dawn was about the only thing that we could find from the dealership that would allow us to shoot freely this, uh, this car. And so at some point you probably would have seen a, you know, a white Rolls Royce convertible screaming down the, fr- down the highway with Luca or I, cause we had to switch cause we didn't have a driver hanging out the back of it, shooting our McLaren sales guy driving an Elva down the PCH all the way up through Malibu to Oxford. Wow. Um, it was pretty, it was, it, it was a sight, but, uh, but that's the type of stuff we do. We, we, we try to, you know, give that, that localized context, that lifestyle feel, you know, play on people's emotions. Um, yep. as to, you know, to, as, as Tom O'Gara, our, our owner likes to say, it's, it's giving people permission to buy. That's the way he, he sure. approaches it is you're giving people permission to buy. You're, you're, you're allowing them to feel that emotion. You're allowing them to see this, this thing in a way that they can put themselves in that position. And so that's what a lot of our yep. videos try to try to portray on, on top of the event coverage and that sort of thing and the recaps. But for the most part, lately, it's just been promoting the cars and the feeling and the lifestyle behind our product. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, it's you guys are like kind of uh, leaders in the in the car sales world of this level of cars in in uh, the country, especially West Side. It's it's cool to see what you guys have done. Um, so we're getting a little we're getting a little toward the end here, but I wanted to ask you a few more questions. First off, yep. what cars interest you personally? the most and speak to you and as a follow-up to that which then would you envisioning owning in your lifetime uh or buying you know within reason sure uh yeah i know i i know i get long-winded so i'll try to keep these short uh right now the one the one brand that has has continued to inspire me the most um in terms of how they've you know, built their cars and designed them has, has pretty consistently been McLaren. Um, they've, they've really nice. been putting out different products that to me, the light hits so well. Um, the 720 to me, I mean, just the, the way the light hits the door line and, and then, and then you, you got the speed tail. I mean, Christ, is that a good looking car? You know, and, and, and <laughs> just, yeah, the, 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 the cars that, that McLaren's putting out right now are to me the most inspiring. Um, not to say that there's not other individual cars from other makers, but uh, McLaren has been pretty consistent, um, and 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 it is a car that I that I that I think you know at some point I would love to own, and and I think you know you're going to see the used car. I think you're going to see the used car uh, exotic market. There's going to be some screaming deals and some and and cars out that are like you know right now you can buy a Gallardo for like eighty thousand dollars, right? Well, right, when it gets right. to the point where you can kind of get into a Huracan for that money, I mean that is a bulletproof car. And, and so there's yep. going to come a, a time when the used car market is going to be really interesting because it's going to have a ton of really, really good cars. But what's right. funny is, is I don't know that I would ever see myself owning an exotic because I get to drive them regardless. 
So I kind of get it out of my system. What I actually want is my, for a long time, is in my dream car is a, is a 67 Chevelle with as big a motor Attaboy. as I can stuff in it. Keeping it classic. I like it. Yeah. I, I, muscle cars and, 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 and hot rods is actually what got me kind of interested when I, when I was young. I always loved because we had them when I was growing up. And so, yeah, to me, I love exotics. I, I love them to death, but nothing sounds or smells as good as a big block Chevy just loping down, you know, uh, the street, you know, idling at like 30 miles an hour because it's got 800 horsepower under the hood and just <laughs> sounds ungodly. Like that to me, that's, that's what gets me excited. I walk into cars and coffees and I'm like, eh. like very seldom do I get fired up about a car when I'm walking through a, a, a local cars and coffee around here. It's when I go to a good sure. guy's car show. That's where my ears perk up. That's when I'm like, holy shit, sure. look at that. You know, oh, I hear you. I mean, and it's not like, I mean, uh, classic European cars, you kind of look at craftsmanship and the history and stuff. Muscle cars, you're just, you're just, it's all about the, the feels, man. And I, I remember I shot a, uh, a collection of this guy for some reason had a collection of all the exact same year Pontiac GTOs, 1969 GTOs or 68s or whatever the judge was. I think it was 69. Yeah. And so I, you know, here we were, I was in one of his cars. He was in another one of his cars. We're driving to the downtown in this podunk uh, city in Iowa and I, I couldn't help but notice just how horribly it drove. Zero traction. Gotcha. Steering is like a, like a just a truck. Horrible. <laughs> but but God, I felt so cool in that car. I right. I just felt cool. <laughs> and I think yeah, that's the it. idea of it. It's not that it drives good. It, it's that it makes you feel so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're actually starting to see a lot of celebrities go that route. I mean, shit, look at what what, Kevin, what did Kevin Hart recently crash? It wasn't a it wasn't yeah, a, exactly. a GT2 yeah. RS or a, a LaFerrari. I think it was a Dodge Challenger, you know, or a Dodge yep. Charger. I mean, I, like a lot of these guys are moving towards you know those classic cars because there is something you know when you're sitting at Catch or you're sitting at Wally's and a, a, you know another Lamborghini pulls up, nobody flinches. But, you know, right. a, a, a GT500 or, a, you know, some, something really, you know, big 442 comes pulling up with, with this big, loud, you know, loping, you know, big cam noise. And, you know, you smell the yep. exhaust. People are like, holy crap, look at that. And, and you know, there's yep. a coolness to it. Sure. And celebrities, you know, we don't I, I don't base my uh, life on celebrities opinions. But uh, of course, it's cool to see guys like Keanu Reeves and a couple other cool, cool people. Um, kind of repping some of this stuff and, and they do help make it cool and they help put interest back in what would otherwise kind of be a forgotten era. And I think that's, yeah, that's absolutely. what's the neat part about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Especially with, with, you know, with like Robert Downey, like ring brothers and, and the stuff, you know, it's, it's also taking what was, what was cool back then and cool now, but also taking it kind of to the next level of customization. It's, it's essentially what singer has kind of built its, its thing off of, right. Is you take something that, yeah, it's cool. But you 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 make it your own and make it like to that next level, and that's what's really really cool from from what I've been seeing coming out. Gunther Works, all those brands, is is what these guys are doing with classic body style. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool to see modern ideas and modern technology going into some of the classic stuff. Um, but when it comes to muscle cars, can't get too carried away with it because. It, it's those old motors that just bruh, 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 that that's what gives yeah. it its soul, you know. Exactly, exactly um, right, exactly right. Yeah. So I think um, I think we've been talking for probably long enough for anyone who's listened all the way through. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I think that uh, dude Grubs, you got some cool stories, um, lots of cool stuff. I, I enjoyed hearing about, and I hope to uh, talk with you more. Um, and again. When I'm in SoCal, we're uh, we're gonna get together. We're gonna do some cool stuff. So, um, before we before we say sayonara, um, where can uh, people find your work, uh, website, and in, uh, like Instagram? So um, my website's kind of under construction at the moment. I'm I'm finally built you know building a, a site that I think is is more proper a proper way of showing my work. So I'm not gonna send anybody my website just yet. But Grubs Photography is the best. Is, is my Instagram, um, describes photography, G-R-U-B-B-S. That's the best way to see uh, basically my best work. That's where I kind of send people for my portfolio. So that's if anybody wants to see the kind of stuff that I do, that's the place to go. 
Sweet, sweet. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, I, for one, had a great time talking with Grubbs here about his photography experience and jobs and crazy stories. I think that uh, we can obviously relate. Um, Any one of us that has been on car shoots and felt the heat of, uh, you know, just simple mistakes that can uh, that can ruin it your day, but it's important to overcome overcome them and just keep your head down, stay focused, and uh, and get the job done. And uh, I think it paid off for him then, and it's cool to hear that story, that success story. Um, ben, sign us off, eh? I've had a great time listening to your stories. Like this is this has been awesome. Like I don't know, crazy stories, awesome experiences. Thanks for coming on. All right, and, and then uh, thanks, guys. You can follow us also on Instagram at sspeedmedia for Shutter Speed Media um, and our website at sspeedmedia.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week. And that's it. All right, Robert. That was sweet, dude. Was that, was that okay? Sorry, I know I rambled. <laughs>